This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 27 of Bruins Beat, brought to you by CLNS Radio. I'm Mike, joined alongside by Jason, as always. It's been another interesting week for our Bruins fans and people that cover the Bruins. You know, a big press conference on Wednesday between both Jacobs and Cam Neely. Cam Neely had an unbelievable interview on Felger and Mass the next day on Thursday, his last one of the year. A lot of stuff to get to with those two press conferences. Also, it's been absolutely great playoff hockey going on. Um, two teams have already wrapped up the first round, surprisingly, and I'm sure in, uh, the next ep- the next show we have, I'm sure we'll be, t- we'll be doing second round previews and predictions. So a lot of good stuff going on in the NHL. But let's start with that Neely Jacobs press conference. And the biggest takeaway for me listening to that press conference was that none of them are on the same page. Not one of them. You have the owner Jacobs saying they want to make the playoffs, they want to do this. Neely's pe- preaching patience. They're all pointing the finger at blame. It just seems there's a rift between all of them. Uh, it seems like Neely doesn't get Neely and Jacobs want to do two separate things. Sweeney's laying out a plan to get younger, but even when you look out and they blamed on they blame some of the the playoff failures on getting younger. But you look at the roster they had, and they weren't really that young. They had a lot of veterans. They had a lot. They had a few young defensemen and probably two young two young forwards that they started the year with. So. It just seems to me that they're all on the same page, and it seems like it's going to be a long couple of years for the Bruins to get back, even to be in a, a remotely close team to making a Stanley Cup run. You know, uh, you're right when you say there's definitely dysfunction between this team because you're going to know they're straightforward. They do not make the playoffs next year. All three of them are gone. Sweeney, Julian, and Neely are gone. It's an automatic. So they are all playing for their jobs, which means if Julian's going to be the coach's team, he's coaching for his job right now. Which is kind of ironic because I, I thought he was coaching for his job this year. But I, I guess you can just choke down the stretch and not make the playoffs, and then you can still be the coach of the team for some reason. For back-to-back years, by the way. Not just one year, two years in a row. Well, look at these, although and you can look back on hindsight, but this decision for the management and the way that they're playing, it's horrible. I mean, you got Martin Jones going to the second round of the playoffs. You could have had him for $3 million last year. I know. Or this year. I know, but it's, it's just crazy how Claude Julian keeps his job. I mean, it's crazy how the management and Neely and Jacobs, they're like, well, the roster falls on Neely, and Neely's pointing at uh, Sweeney and then pointing at Shirelli. It just seems like management from since the Bruins, since Neely took over in 2010, it seems like there's been such a strong rift between everyone in that management. And now you're starting to see the effects of that rift because this is what happened. This is what's happening with the team now. 
It seems like, you know, even though Neely became president, he didn't hold Peter Shirelli accountable when Shirelli went over his head for some of those issues. Right, and I agree with you on that. It seems like Neely was brought in. And this is why, and that's why Neely's really not in a position of power, because who's going to listen to Neely? Because they're not going to get in trouble if they make the move over his head. Right, and I think that's what Shirelli did, to be honest. And even if Neely- from 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 what the from what the uh, transcript sounded like yesterday, from listening to Felger and Maz, it sounds exactly like what Shirelli did, which makes Shirelli look like a jerk. Yeah, I know, and it's funny, like, Neely kind of hinted at this without actually throwing Shirley's name out there and actually throwing Shirley under the bus, but who else would it be, you know? Sweeney was, Sweeney's his guy, he just got Sweeney last year. I feel like Neely has a lot more say now than he did a few years ago. I've argued, I've argued about this topic with, my, with a few of my buddies numerous times. They're like, Neely doesn't know what he's doing, he should be fired. And I say, listen, I'm not saying that I like everything Neely has done, but what I am saying to you is that I think Neely has more say now than he ever has. And I think a few years back, Shirley was making moves without without talking to Neely, and it was just doing, I want to make this move, so I'm going to make this move. And when Neely would say no, if Neely did say no, we aren't going to really get into the entire detail part of it. This is mostly speculation. You know, Shirley probably went over his head to the management group, to the ownership, and that showed that Neely really didn't have that much power. So you're hoping going into the season that maybe Neely starts showing that he has power, that he's a presence, like he makes a final say. And another thing that I kind of didn't like from the press conference either was when the, the Jacobs were saying how they sacrificed the future to win now. And look, I get it. No one likes the winner more than Boston. And Boston, it's either Stanley Cup or Boston. You're either winning championships or it's a failed season pretty much in Boston. There's no There's no middle ground there. We're not the... New York Islanders making the playoffs and being happy about it. Sorry, that's not Boston. But you say we we sacrificed the future? You didn't sacrifice the future. You guys just sucked at drafting, and you guys didn't draft any young players, and you kept everyone that in everyone and anyone that was on the Stanley Cup team. The only player that you really got rid of from 2010, from 2011 when they won the Cup, from two years later was Sagan and Ferenc were pretty much the only two players that – off the top of my head, obviously there's going to be more. Like, there's going to be more players that weren't there. But Ferenc and Sagan, everyone else got re-signed. Lucic was re-signed. Uh, Bergeron, Marshan, Krejci, Paye. Thomas Nicole, played out to the end of his contract, Th- so Thomas wasn't yeah. re-signed. Yes, Thomas didn't. Yes. And then but the, Chara, Seidenberg, Boyshark was still here in 2013. He got traded the year after. But everyone was still here. And it's like, you didn't sacrifice the future. You just didn't have a future to begin with, to sacrifice, because you couldn't draft anyone. And the thing that bothers me about that is you should be able to... <coughs> excuse me there. You should be able to be able to, to bring young kids along while still being a Stanley Cup team. Look at Chicago. And I know Chicago is one of the only exceptions. I mean, Chicago's great, but they were still... Even though they're on the verge of getting eliminated right now, but man, what a heck of a series that is. We'll get into that later. But you look at that and you say... This year, they have a lot more young players in their lineup. They still have their core guys. They still have Taze, Kane, Keith, all those guys. But they, they have young guys coming up now. The year after they And won, they're producing. In the 2010, when they won the Stanley Cup, they traded away half their roster. I don't think anyone realizes this. They were so up against the, the cap, they had to trade half their roster. And they won the Cup three years later. They made it work. Yes, that's what I'm saying. You could still be a Stanley Cup team in... And incorporate young not guys. Have the sa- and not have the same roster if you have the right character players on the team. Exactly. And that's what I didn't like the Jacob saying is we sacrifice the future. In this sport, you can never sacrifice the future because the salary cap is too difficult. If you're saying in baseball, 
okay, we're going to trade away our young prospects to win now. You can do that because in baseball, you can pay guys so much money. There's no salary cap. In a salary cap sport, it's too difficult to mortgage a future because look at this is what happens now. They don't have any young guys coming up. They're making trades, trying to sell off, trying to make young players that aren't that good in their lineup. For example, Joe Morrow, Zach Trotman, they're not that good defensively, but since they, they're so stuck with these players because they don't have, know how to develop young players, it makes it way worse than what it actually should be. So that's why I don't think that, like, you shouldn't package the future for anything. You should be building a future and still trying to win a Stanley Cup every year. No, and I agree with that completely. I mean, the Bruins, in a way, they didn't really sacrifice the future. They sacrificed the character on the team, the heart on the team. Getting rid of Ferenc and Thornton when they did in Boychuk. That's character. That's heart. That's what that team was using to win when they were getting to the Stanley Cup. Yeah, and it just seems that, that I don't like I don't I don't feel confident in Bruins management or Neely or Sweeney right now. I really don't. And when I when I look at this team now, you see Tukarask, Zdeno Chara, Patrice Bergeron. You know what? Patrice Bergeron is the best of those three. But where's the leadership to this team? Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't really know. And everyone, and let's just get a little bit off topic here. But I keep hearing people want to, you know, rip Char up the sea and put it on Bergeron. And I, I that doesn't do you anything. I love Bergeron. Don't get me wrong. I love Bergeron as a player. But Bergeron's been on the team the past two years. He still has an A on his jersey. He's still one of the leaders. What the hell does it matter if he has a C or an A? He's still been on the same team the past two years. That's not made the playoffs, and he has nothing. And we all know Bergeron works as works as hard as he can, and works his ass off. But clearly, I want I'd want to give that C to a character player. So if I was gonna give the captaincy to anybody right now, the player that played the hardest the entire season, Matt Bolesky. Yeah, I wouldn't give Matt Bolesky the C. I mean, to be honest, but I I I just I wouldn't give it to him. I'm just saying, if I'm gonna give it to a character player, it's one a player yeah. like him. A player that shows up every single game. Yeah, but it's just like, people are like, oh, Char shouldn't be the captain anymore. It should be Bergeron. But it's like, it doesn't matter. They're still gonna, they still have a leadership void. Char and, Char and Bergeron are both captains this year. Like, what does that matter? Didn't do anything. Exactly. Do I want to keep Bergeron? Absolutely I do. But it's, I don't think that's going to be a big difference. About making- well, and while we're on this Bergeron topic, did you hear the news about um, on Felgren Mass how they were joking around about dangling Bergeron for a good package if the Bruins want to really get younger and rebuild? Yes. It's crazy. But I think right now if it's I would never do it. But if we get the right deal for it, he's the only player that's even possible that could possibly get traded. It's 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 what how desperate Boston is. To be honest, like I don't think it was. It's gonna happen, and I love Bergeron. It wouldn't happen. But Not some happen. of the deals that they were saying aren't bad deals for the Bruins to make if they want to do a rebuild. And I don't think the Bruins are gonna do a full rebuild because they, they also said that Jacob said that they want to be just like Detroit. And to be honest, I don't want to be just like Detroit either. I don't. I don't. Detroit's made the playoffs for twenty past twenty five years, but in the past like what ten years or so, they've won one cup. They've gotten eliminated in the first round in the past. Three or four years now. What does that matter about making being in Detroit? They haven't done anything. They can't get over out of the first round. I'm sorry. I don't want to be that. I want to be a Stanley Cup team. I want to be at least making it to the second round, conference finals, Stanley Cup finals, winning a cup, 
I don't want to beat Detroit. I don't want to be being the eight seed every year, being eliminated in five games and calling it a year. What the hell does that do for your team? Oh, but you know what? I know what it does. It gives the Jacobs money. That's what it does. They want the playoff revenue. And that's what the frustrating part is. is it, for the Jacobs, it really seems like it's about the money, not the team. Yeah, they're like, oh, we spin up to the cap. We do this. We do that. Blah, 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 blah. It's like, then why do you want to be like Detroit? You should say, oh, I want to be like Chicago. Or, oh, well, I want to be like the Kings. Or, oh, I want to be like, like one of those teams that have been dominating the past few years. I want to be like St. Louis, for God's sake, at this point. Yeah, like, like, I don't understand how you can say you want to be like Detroit. Detroit was the worst example you could have brought up. Evolution of a revolution was, I believe, his quote from that press conference. Am I correct? Yeah, I think so. It's just, I don't get if you're a Bruins fan, I don't know how you look at that press conference and say you feel confident about this team going forward. I don't. I don't even. I don't even want Rask in there. I'm. I still. I am hoping to God Rask goes because they they're better off with a three million dollar goaltender unknown. I know, but Martin Jones. Remember, you said the second round. Martin Jones, Thomas Grice. Do I need to keep going? Michael Norberth. Michael Neuver. Okay. Who's, do we need to keep? Who's playing unbelievable for Philadelphia? No, I get it. I I hundred percent agree with you. And and with the way the league's changing, they're going to have more goals going the net because they're going to short. They're going to. They're changing the pads. Yeah, I, I don't feel... Goal, you don't need a $7 million goalie running your team. Look at Henrik Lundqvist or Jonathan Quick and Corey Crawford, who are all about to get eliminated this year. And look at the contracts. No, I agree. I, I, I just think you're going to... Wasting $7 million... Uh, wait, I should, yeah, wasting $7 million on a goaltender is too much. Way too much. And you, they got asked about to grass again, and Neil, Neely didn't say that he was untouchable either. The one, that's no, the one, and I think that's I think the one thing I think I is think, good is that they're not saying Tukarask is untouchable. And they can talk about no trade clauses all they want. They'll find a way to get rid of him, or they'll send him a message that message that he'll be benched the rest, and they'll get another goaltender for three million anyway. Yeah, I just don't. I mean, if 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 the management comes to you and says we want to trade you, and I don't see even if you have a no trade clause, I don't see how you can say no. Like clearly, we don't want you anymore. So that means get the hell away. We don't want you anymore. Yeah, pretty much. And so unless you want to be a bad part of the locker room, get out or we'll send you down. I agree, though. I think Tugarat, I think one of the big, one of the biggest mistakes the Bruins made was when they got Martin Jones, they traded Martin Jones instead of trading Rask. And I know you look at it in hindsight now because of the year and they did, but like the Bruins could have done so much more with their roster and for the cap if they signed Jones to the three million dollar deal. And got rid of Rask for seven minutes. Did you see that article that I tagged you in on Facebook this week what Matt, that Matt Common wrote? Yes, I did. Right. Did, did you notice how I wrote an article very similar to that earlier in the year? Yeah, it's just you don't need a goaltender for $7 million. I'm sorry, you don't. Don't. He's it. not worth it, especially when you got the Thomas Graces and the Michael Neuvers and the... Who was the other goaltender? I mean, Martin Jones. Ryan Elliott for St. Louis. Ryan Elliott, St. Louis. It's just incredible to see these young goaltenders play. So anybody who has the argument, oh, Tuka Rask is a Vezina winner. Oh, boo-hoo. He's a Vezina winner. Look at these other non-Vezina winners that are playing great in the playoffs. Yeah, you could... And standing on their heads. Yeah, you could have a non-Vezina trophy goaltender winning the Stanley Cup this year. So what the hell does it matter if he wins a Vezina? It's kind of like the argument everyone brings up, too. It's like, why would you fire Claude Julian? He won He won a cup, he went back to the cup, and he won a President's Trophy. I'm sorry, I don't, I don't care about a President's Trophy. What the hell does that matter? 
You don't get a banner for a president's trophy. What you want? What you want me to go? You want to have a parade down Boston in the dark boats because you won the president's trophy? I could look at the Flyers who haven't. Look at the Flyers who were down three nothing on Washington and haven't gone away. They're bugging Washington more than you can imagine. I just don't understand why the president's trophy matters whatsoever. I don't understand why two grass like, I'm wondering if the Bruins management watching the playoffs and watching these teams play and thinking to themselves, maybe we should take a page out of their book. I hope so, but and you also look at it too. It's like, oh well, you can't get rid of Chara. He's the heart and soul of the team. He, he's get rid of him. He's, he 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 won the Norris. I don't care. Get rid of him. I don't care. Chara's done, Chara's done great things for the Bruins. I understand that. I'm not denying it's, that. Chara helped change. It's sad. The, it's so sad the number of people who are so scared of a big change. Okay, don't get me wrong. Chara helped change this franchise around when the Bruins signed him. I have so much respect for Chara as a player, as a man, as a player that helped this team. Same with Bergeron and Krejci and all these other players. They were all great players at one point. It's time to move but on. I still care about winning. And, I'm, and you and I are on the same page on this. I still care about winning the most. And if you have a team that's not winning with these same players, that's when you make changes. And that's kind of what I've been trying to argue all year. It's time for the change. It's time for the Bruins to trade away these players. It's time for them to try to move forward. They're not going to make the playoffs next year. I'm calling that right now. Well, you can't say that. You have to see what they do in the offseason. The offseason can say what it wants. I mean, if they, unless if they pull off some miracle, get that number one defenseman. Based on the way that the, they sound from the management down standpoint where they're dysfunctional, a dysfunctional team doesn't make the playoffs. No, it doesn't. But I mean, I'm just gonna I'm gonna give them the off season and I'm gonna assess the moves they do, and then I'll see from there. But to be honest, they, even if the Bruins are in the playoff structure and in, in next March, I'm not gonna have faith they're gonna close it out unless they're like 20 points ahead, because they've choked the past two seasons. It's hard to have faith in this team when you just you when you listen to the management and the way that it sounds and you see the structure and it's it's hard to have faith in it. None of them want to take accountability. They all want to throw the blame on Peter Shirley rather than saying to themselves, you know, well, none of us stood up to Peter Shirley and said, no, you're not making this move. And another frustrating part, too, is you hear that you have Mary- And then they want to pity Neely. You hear like, Mary- Neely's pissed because of the fact that this all happened. Well, maybe Neely should take it in accountability. He was the president. And- he is the president. And you then- stand up to Peter Shirley and say, no, this move is not happening. You make a move like that, you're fired. I don't think he had the, the power to fire him at the time. That's why I think Neely was so pissed off. Okay, maybe you're right about that one. I'm not, I wouldn't be completely sure about that. Yeah, but you're right. we're just speculating here, but it's just, you could tell, though, something went clearly wrong over there. But Shirelli with management and with Neely, something's not and right. That just, and that just tells me that if the, Bru- the Bruins, it's hard to be optimistic going into next year because you just get this vibe right now. They fail, and they're gone, all three of them. The entire organization is going to be an entire rebuild. It would be an entire rebuild. So I think the one good thing I think that is about this is it puts pressure on the on the players, on the coach, on the general manager, and on Neely. I'm sure. I'm not actually thinking it puts the pressure on the players. It puts the pressure on the management because all, it's all the same players. They're all getting paid. What do they care? That's true, but I think it's just if they want, if they have any, what, if they have any. What guts, does Tuka Rask care? He's getting paid seven million to sit behind the net. He just he doesn't have to give a crap. Well, I think it puts the He's, pressure. It's not, his, it's not his job that's going to matter. He can get traded though. If he gets traded, thank God. Then it's the, then it's a sign that the management's doing what they need to do. Yeah, I just think this is a big offseason for the Bruins, and I think this puts the pressure on Sweeney and Neely. Because I feel like even if they made the playoffs, I feel like it wouldn't be as bad because, you know, they'd be like, oh, well, we're a playoff team. We're just going to keep uh, keep going along the way we've been going along. But now that they missed the playoffs, I think this is the best thing that could have happened because now everyone is put on notice. Next year, we don't make the playoffs. We don't make a good run. 
you're gone. So it puts pressure on them. That's the only thing I do like by this. I mean, that's why I was saying I didn't want them to make the playoffs because I could feel this before the season even ended. I could feel it inside. I, I could feel I knew it was going to happen. You could see it with the team the entire season. Something with this team was not right. And you begin to see it coming out in the media. Yeah, and the one thing that bothers me is bringing back Claude. They said, oh, Claude did a good job coaching this team, bringing along. Neely's, uh, Sweeney's delusional if it's Sweeney's call. Bringing, but I don't think it's Sweeney's call. I think it's ownership's call. Bringing along the young guys, it's like, what young guy did he bring along? We talked about him benching Pashnik almost every time. The young defenseman that he bet we were playing sucked, and Claude didn't help them. He, he kept playing Connolly with the, on the same line as Bergeron and Marchand. For about 50- Jimmy Hayes, uh, Jimmy Hayes was doing nothing over some of these other players. Yeah, there was been no account. Finally, towards the end of the year, the, the fourth line was Vetrano, Achari, and Ferraro. Finally, they brought up. That's how it should have been the entire year. Yeah, and they brought up Pashnik. He started playing Pashnik a lot. Pashnik had. We talked about this. In the- Pashnik made a difference. Yeah, he made a few episodes ago. We talked about it. Finally, it's like, well, shouldn't he? This is what I mean. He should have been doing this. From day one. All year long. You don't rely on the older veterans who are playing like crap. If they're playing like crap, you don't you rely on them. Charlie. You don't rely on Seidenberg. You don't rely on these other older guys. You can't. You bench them. If Jimmy Hayes isn't playing well, you bench him. And Pashnik still didn't put in the power play. It's mind-blowing. I don't understand. Claude. Claude needs to fix some crap if he wants. I, I mean, I can't even believe he's back. I'm stunned. I don't want him back, but it seems this is going to be the move. So, Claude, you have to... Play young, skilled forwards. You can't win a game 0-0, zero to zero, packing it in, playing defense. If he turns the puck over, but yell I, at him. I just, I just, Mike, I just, I wonder. Because I wonder what the threshold is if this team starts struggling out of the gate next year for Neely. I wonder if this, I, I wonder what the threshold, I really do. I wonder if this team struggles on the cold to start the year, how fast the move is made. And everyone's, everyone's like giving crap to Neely. And I understand why I do, but. Everyone's writing articles saying, oh, nearly this, nearly that. Nearly should be... It's playing. not all on Neely. Nearly should be stepping down. Oh, nearly this. It's like, well, first of all, what what did Neely have to do with being in the playoff structure a month ago, being tied for first, and losing uh, eight, losing nine out of your last 11 games to miss the playoffs? How is that on Neely? Neely said, be patient. Yes, he did. He said, be patient. He knows that we aren't... Which means... They're not a Stanley Cup team, but they could have made the playoffs. They could have been in the playoffs. They were in, tied for first a month ago. And how? And everyone was writing about how Claude Julian's the coach of the year, how this roster's like, how this roster's been playing so well, how, oh, you know, Marchand's MVP type, Bergeron's Selkie trophy. Everyone's talking about all this stuff with the Bruins. And then all of a sudden, now the Bruins missed the playoffs, and now it's on Neely. What about the coach? What about the players? What about Sweeney? What about Sweeney? Sweeney collected these, Sweeney got these players. What about Claude Julian? Claude Julian is coaching the players. The players didn't show up for the past 12 games of the year. How was that on Neely? How was that Neely's fault? That's not all completely on Neely's fault. And I will argue that. You know, there's some stuff that's on Neely's fault from the past that Neely's trying to clean up. He's trying to clean up those mistakes. You can tell he is. You can tell he's frustrated. That Felger and Madsen interview spoke for himself. He's still passionate. Oh, he still wants to win. But you could tell how mad he was because everyone... But he, he's... He's sitting here saying, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to pound my chest and yell I'm present from the top of a mountain? He doesn't need to do that. I agree with him. On, I'll agree with Neely on that point. But, and the, I, just don't, I, just don't, I just think people aren't blaming the coach and the players enough, and everyone's just blaming Neely. And I feel like Cam Neely, since he's the president of the team, has been put in that place to be the scapegoat. He's the fall guy. Everyone looks to Neely and says, oh, well, 
well, we like Claude, so we're not going to get on Claude. And, oh, we like the players, too. Like, Bergeron and Marshall, we like those players. So, that's not their fault. Oh, Neely. Let's blame Neely because Neely is the easy fall guy. Management puts him there as the president. So, management gets off the hook. So, both both Jacobs pretty much said, well, if you want to look Neely. at someone, it's Neely. And then... And what did Neely say? Neely said, look at Sweeney. And that's the problem. Is there's no accountability. You have the Jacobs. And then Jacobs saying it's all Neely. You have... Pretty much all the beat writers saying it's nearly this, nearly that. The players and coach. That's because the beat writers are up Claude Julian's butt. Exactly. Why the coach and the players got away unscathed. The, those this. those Bruins beat writers absolutely suck. I don't like most of them. I don't either. No one no one questioned Julian. No one questioned the players. It's all about Neely. Just just because you can get closer to the players than Julian, so you guys are just gonna write whatever you want that are good about them, just to make them look good. And another, rather than speaking the truth. And then another argument I hate too is they're all saying, "Well, the roster wasn't good enough." Oh, I understand the. You roster- were in first place at the end of the season with a month to go. The exactly. roster was plenty fine. They shut down and stopped playing. They quit. They crumbled. They crumbled. Like we talked, they beat Chicago. They beat St. Louis. They beat don't they didn't beat anyone out west, but they beat the Dallas Stars. They beat they went to overtime against Washington. They beat Tampa. They beat Florida. They beat all these good teams. They and then come March, they lose to most of them. Well, they lost. They lost. They lost a couple of them. and They lost to the legit crap teams in the Eastern Conference. So the, uh, how is this team good enough to be fir- in first place a month ago? Oh, do they overachieve? Maybe a little bit. Maybe they did a little bit overachieve. But you can't say with a, a month left and tied for first place with a 10-point lead. The Bruins could have went 500 to close up the year. They could have went 5-5 five and five in the last 10 games. and they would All they had to do was beat Ottawa. And they shut down. They quit. They lost 6-1. to one. Took a rest. Didn't even bother showing up. Blamed it on sickness, which I'm and still how, not. I'm never how, going to buy that. And how is that Neely's fault? How? People that look- one's on the players. This is... This is directly on the players. And you players know what? and coach. Players and coach. This, this collapsed on the players and the coach. And I get it. This roster was not Stanley Cup material. Would they have beaten Washington in a seven-game series? Nope. I don't no, think they but, would. But you know what? They could have made it interesting like the Flyers are doing right now. They could have been what the Flyers are. And that's the problem I have. And that's the problem I have with the players and the coach. Not on Neely. Do I think Neely's the best president? Nope. I do not. But I don't know how you can look at this team and assess this team and put all the blame on Neely. You can't. And therefore, you, you, you place the blame where it's accountable. And right now, I'm placing this on the players and the coach. And it's up to management to realize, okay, we need major changes. Like, you hear Chara saying, I don't want to waive my no-movement clause if they want to trade me. You waive your no-movement clause for the team. You go. If the team doesn't want you, go. Go oh, and the and the problem was the problem I have too with this is that this was this year was a down Eastern Conference. Montreal, you know, had a bad year. Columbus had a, these. The Bruins are screwed next year once Montreal comes back with a healthy carry price. Montreal, that's one team is going to get Columbus, better. Toronto's getting better. Columbus is going to get better. Buffalo, Buffalo, Buffalo's on the way up. So where are you going to find the Bruins next year? The Bruins are in a position to possibly be even worse. That's gonna be, yeah, it's going to be tough. It's going to be. It's gonna be a dogfight next year for the Bruins, especially because like, I, I, if the Bruins don't make unless they do something big, yes, the Bruins need a miracle. Yeah, no offense, it's a word. That's what they need. It's gonna be. They tough. need their management to pull something out of their hat, and I'm not sure I have faith in the management team to do it. I don't think I have faith in the management to do it either. And I think they have the balls to look at these players and say, "We we don't want you anymore. You you guys can go." 
And I'm glad me and you are pretty much on the same page with this, which which usually I have, I'm in a, like a full-blown argument people over this, but you seem to be agreeing with me. It's more on the players and the coach than it is about Neely. Even though I, I'm not saying Neely's done a great job as president. I'm not saying Neely's completely innocent. You and, I, but you and I are on the same page. You can't place the entire blame on the president. He can only do so much. And from what he sounded on Felger and Mads, how pissed and frustrated he was from the questions that were being asked. I mean, come on, he even dropped the F-bomb. I mean, you can't place it entirely on him. There's more to that story, and, you know, I, I get it. And everyone's going to be like, oh, well, you, you, in a way, In a way, I feel bad for Neely. Yeah, and everyone's like, oh, Neely signed up on this deal, signed up on this deal. Maybe he did, but you know what? They were still tied for first place a month ago. So obviously the move, even though some of the moves you can look back and say wasn't a good move, wasn't a good trade, they were still tied for first a month ago. They were, they, even though they weren't a, a quote-unquote first-place team, they were tied for first. They were in the playoff structure for about 90% of the season. They lost it down the stretch again for back-to-back years. That's not and Neely's that's not fault. A, and that's not on the president. That's not even on the general manager. That's on the players and the coach. Yes. And yet... Another thing that baffles me, I'm going to say this straightforward, is the fact that they went to the players and said, do you like Claude Julian? And they believed it. They're naive enough to believe it. Now, that one, that one I'll place on Neely. Of course the players are going to say they like Julian. They're comfortable, so they're getting paid. They're getting their roster spots. What do they care? Yeah, I mean, what are they going to say? No, we don't like him? That's naive. Of course they like him. But then why did, they lose? Then why did you lose down the stretch? Yeah, I, I don't know. Well, Guadji, it seemed like they quit on him. It seemed like he has no voice anymore. So if he, if like he's that's the coach what I'd be saying. Every single one of those players, Bergeron included. Bergeron is not in this. Bergeron's part of this team. You know, I'm beginning to lose my respect for a lot of these players, and you know, I'm gonna keep Bergeron's name in that one because Bergeron needs to become a, need to become a leader, and he hasn't. He, he needs to be more accountable. He needs to hold people more accountable. Like I get it, he's not—he's a quiet guy, but he needs to be more vocal now. He's kind of, hes the leader of this team. Him and Chara—they've been here the longest. They've been here through everything. They're the leaders now. And that's why when people—that's why when people say they would dangle Bershon's name, you know what? As crazy as it is, I would. Well, the one thing they were talking about was like Taylor Hall, first-round pick, and Darnell. That's what Nurse. I mean for that for that kind of deal. And if Edmonton's gonna be the, the right top deal? five again. Everton's going to be in the top five again for the draft. That's not a bad trade. It's no, not it's a, a good trade. It's not a bad trade. I love Bergeron just as much as the next guy, but... If, I would trade him for a Taylor Hall in that first-round pick. If you're going to... You know, an eye. If you're going to rebuild, you got to rebuild. You can't just keep on the same collection of players and keep having this you can't come up. Fall, you can't fall in love with your players. No. I haven't... You, you can't. And that's what it seems that this team has done over the last four years. They've fallen in love with these mediocre players. Yes, you know what? Bergeron's probably going to win the soccer this year. He's a great defensive player. But there's no leadership on this team. This team needs something major to shake it up. Yeah, and, and, the, and another, somebody else... another thing that's... Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off there. But another thing that's bothering me, too, is you hear, you hear reports now that they're trying to re-sign Kevin Miller, Chris Kelly, and Louis Erickson. What the hell are they doing? Are they why learning would, any of their lessons? Yeah, like, why would you do that? Kevin Miller had a good year. No, he didn't. I'm sorry. He didn't have a good year. Nope. Chris Kelly has been on this team and has sucked for like four years now. I don't care if he's a good penalty killer. I don't care if he's a good guy in the locker room. I don't care. 
He sucks. The when the young when the, they had the Vatrano Achari Ferraro fourth line, it was young, it was quick, and it was skilled, and it was good. It was perfect. They brought energy. I don't need Chris Kelly on this team. Sorry, I don't. And also Louis Erickson, he should have been treated at the trade deadline. And now you're talking about re-signing him. What are they going to sign him for? He wants like five or six years for like six million dollars. That would Mike, be an let me, absolute let me, tell you, let me put let me put this into perspective for you. Louis Erickson and Bergeron have one thing in common. They are both one good hit away from their careers being over. I would trade those players. I would get rid of those players if I had the opportunity in a heartbeat for due to that risk alone. Although any NHL player is one hit away from being knocked from being knocked out for good, I get that. But they have injury history. And right now, Erickson's a player that I would go, I would get rid of. And they need to save their money for some of these restricted free agents, these defensemen that they're gonna need. They need, they need defensive help. I'm sorry. Louis Erickson was on this team in back-to-back years, and the Bruins missed the playoffs in back-to-back years. I'm sorry. Louis Erickson... He didn't get out of the first round against Montreal. Louis Erickson is not a difference maker. He's not. Nope, he's not even a leader. He's not a difference maker. I'm sorry. Louis Erickson did, a, did, did wonders for the Bruins against Ottawa, right? When the Bruins needed a win? Yeah, where was he? Yeah, who knows. But yeah, <laughs> hey, hey, let's resign. But, but, hey, let's but, resign. You, saw David, but you, you saw Pasternak. No, don't worry about it. We're just going to re-sign Erickson for six years. and. Yeah, 30. we're just going to disregard Pasternak because, you know, Pasternak played well in the last stretch of the season. Hey, Pasternak filled up against Ottawa. It doesn't matter, though, because he'll have one bad play and he's going to be on the bench in the fourth line. Because, you know, that's just what Claude Julien does because Claude Julien just doesn't like his young guys. No, we just, young, young and skilled? No, we don't need those guys. No. This team's going to infuriate me in the season doesn't start yet for next year. I know. We have to wait and see how this means. <laughs> All right, so on a different note, let's talk about the Stanley Cup playoffs. I think the Stanley Cup playoffs this year, even without the Bruins, has been absolutely outstanding. It's amazing how entertaining it's been. Two double over- overtime games, back-to-back nights this week. It's been great. Absolutely great Stanley Cup playoffs. And like I said to you last week, the Islanders-Panthers series has been sneaky good. Like You looked at that on paper and you go, ah, it's probably going to be an okay series. You don't look at that and say, whoa, this has been a great series, the Islanders and Panthers. Now, we don't look at Roberto Luongo choking in the series. I just look at Thomas Grice, who's made a name for himself. I know. I would say Thomas Who's taken the moment and seized it. Yeah, Thomas Grice is playing unbelievable. Did you see the game last night? Because Florida was dominating. They just couldn't find a way to score. I watched the end of it, yes. Florida was dominating that both overtimes. They couldn't find a way to score. Thomas Grice is making save after save after save. It's just, that was and great. And the Islanders found a way to pull it off. Yes, they did. The Islanders are going back to... The Brooklyn three games to two. You think the Islanders hold off the the Panthers, or you think it's going to go seven? It's going to go seven. That's an automatic. Um, so I do think the Islanders are going to pull it off. With the Islanders at home ice next game in game six, you think the Florida Panthers going to win? I think the Florida is going to fight back because that's the way that Florida has been all season. Um, I think the Islanders are going to win game six and move on. I just think that double overtime loss at home. You think maybe that that drained Florida? Yeah, I think it kind of drinks. Okay. Because they're, they're, they're a young team. And don't, they're, playing, they're playing really well. I mean, they have a few veterans, like like obviously Yager and stuff. But they're a relatively young team. A lot of their best players are young. And I feel and like, you'll see Florida back there next year anyway from yeah. the way they're playing right now. And I mean. I just feel like they're young players. I feel like that's going to be such a draining defeat. After they dominated the overtime, they dominated the double overtime. They couldn't find a way to score. The Islanders get a power play, and they scored in the power play and ended. I feel like that's just so draining. But my question to you is: Do you are you impressed with Florida? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I think President Trocheck is going to be a, is a star in the making. 
I like Trocek. Like Huberto, I like the way this lineup is built. I'm sure that they're going to have a couple of different players going to next year, but um, I'm very impressed with Florida. I mean, for the first playoff in a while, it's they, they look like they're showing up. They look like they're a well-coached team. Yeah, they look pretty, they look good. They look like they have a good future in Florida, which also means it's bad for the Bruins because the Bruins will be playing Florida every year in the division. So that means and more is ended for the Bruins to get better. But anyways, besides, besides that, uh, Tampa Bay got by Detroit in five games, and I didn't think it was going to be this short of a series. I thought Detroit would be able to get a few more wins, but I think Tampa Bay is Tampa Bay's good. They're, I think everyone underrates Tampa Bay, to be honest. Tampa Tampa Bay without Stamkos is it's hard to describe because, man, they show up. Then, they fought hard, but this, if this is how good Tampa Bay is without Stamkos, you, they why are they going to try to resign Stamkos for all that money? And you know what's been kind of a difference, nigga? What's kind of hilarious is Jonathan Drewin. He came back after, you know, causing that huge fit about wanting to be traded and leaving the AHL. And now he's, now he's, now he's back in Tampa making a difference. No, he absolutely is. And that's what the that's what the impressive thing is, like, now you wonder, is Tampa going to really even bother going after Stamkos at this point? Does Stamkos really put them over the top? I think they'll try, but it, it kind of makes you th- wonder if they won't try and, you know, overextend for him. You know what I mean? If someone offers him, like, a deal for, like, $10 million and Tampa Bay is like, well, I can offer you eight. I feel like Tampa Bay's not going to be like, okay, well, here's ten now. Because they're playing without him now, and they're playing really well. That's it. That's what I mean. I mean... I wouldn't see Tampa Bay overextending for him because they have a good young team. And maybe with the way John and Jordan's playing right now, it's a te- it's something to watch out for. Also, Kuch- Kucherov is, I think, an absolute star on Tampa Bay. Kucherov and Tyler Johnson, studs. But Tampa Bay will play the winner of that Panthers and Islanders series. So that should be uh, – they're waiting for that right now. Also, um – Who's the uh, the San Jose Sharks just clinched Game Five over Los Angeles last night? Los Angeles was a Stanley Cup favorite. A lot of people were picking Los Angeles to win the Cup this year. My bracket's busted. Yeah, you you picked them, didn't you? Yep. And then the Sharks they won all three games in Los Angeles. Imagine that, all three. The Road Warriors, just like the Bruins of the West. It was crazy, and the Sharks are usually notorious chokers. They usually never get by the first round. And here they are. And it's a, and what has changed with San Jose? They took the captaincy out of Joe Thornton and put it on somebody else. And now the, the, the real leaders of this team are showing up. And they also don't have a goaltender that makes $7 million. That too. <laughs> you know, Martin Jones. We know, we know uh, the Bruins had and could have kept. That, that pretty much shows it. Would you rather have Jones or Rask right now? I'm sure 95% of people would rather have Jones. But the Sharks look good. I'm... I'm, I'm Everyone, everyone always discredits the Sharks, and rightfully so, because they've always choked. They've always done the same things every single year. So, so now they're on to the second round, you know, playing either Nashville or Anaheim. And I could see them upsetting another one of those teams. Yeah, and the funny thing about that is Anaheim was down two games to none against Nashville. And they lost both games at home in Anaheim to Nashville. And what do the Ducks do? They go right back into Nashville and win both games in Nashville. And they fought back. I yeah. mean, that, that that's expected out of Anaheim. That's another team that made a deep run last year. So, I think if that's that's yeah, like you said Anaheim made a great run last year, and it just shows that 
I think Anaheim's going to be able to pull the series out now. I think Nashville had the chance when they were up two games to none. If they could have just got one game at home and made it three three to one, it would have helped tremendously. But they just couldn't do it. I just don't. I don't think. I think the Ducks are going to be able to find a way to get it done. No, I agree. I definitely think the Ducks are going to find a way to get it done for sure in that series. And that will give you um, San Jose Anaheim series, which I think would at be, that point, which would be great. That would be just as good as as, as the Kings and Sharks series. It'll even be a because, bruiser. Because even though the Sharks won 5-1, it was still a great series. It'll be a bruiser. Then you'll have Dallas setting up against St. Louis. If that's the case, because I don't know. You're talking about the... I don't know there. you got Chicago, who, who's making it a series now against St. Louis. And you have Minnesota making it a series now against Dallas. No, that's what I mean. But Chicago never goes away. So you, St. Louis has to finish it. I mean, That's what I mean. They really do. Until St. Louis wins that last game and the buzzer hits zero in the third period, I just it's just hard to see Chicago being eliminated right now. It's not a scary thing of how good Chicago really is and how that team doesn't quit. Patrick Kane in double overtime, of course. Who else would score the game double overtime? But look at but look at St. Louis. They were down three to one in that game. and They still managed to come back and tie it. So that team looks like a team that's still got fight. I know that that, that game six. Tonight's going to be absolutely incredible to watch. That's the game to watch tonight in the playoffs. That is the game to watch. And then you have the uh, New York-Pittsburgh series. Oh, and Another... I, want, I want to touch on Dallas and Minnesota quickly. Um, so you got Dallas, who was in command of that series, going back home for Game 5. Similar situation to what the Blues were against Chicago. But the thing is, you look at Chicago and St. Louis, and you say, you, 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 Chicago is probably going to win game. You don't say probably going to win game five, but you say if Chicago wins game five, I wouldn't be surprised because you know they're playing, they're they're a champion. But Dallas, Dallas is the number one seed playing game five at home against Minnesota. You want to close out Minnesota. You want you don't want to give Minnesota any hope or any life. And Minnesota wins game five. They were down four to three. They scored a, the tying goal with four minutes, three minutes left. They scored the overtime goal pretty early. And I think the Stars did a bad job of giving the Minnesota wildlife now. Minnesota's going back home for game six. And I think St. Louis is more battle-tested than the Stars are. So I think giving Minnesota life is bad news for the Stars. No, Dallas has to close out the next game. Otherwise, Minnesota is probably going to steal it from them. So it's another, another series to keep an eye on there is because the Stars haven't been there before. The Stars never – usually the, their best players haven't been – they haven't been there in over 10, 15 years. Since right. The Ed Bell for Mike Madonna days. Right. So, I mean, this is a new experience for Dallas. So, that's why I said them not closing up Minnesota could be bad news for them. No, it could be because Minnesota looks like a good young team that's not going to quit. All right. And then we'll go to the Pittsburgh uh, Rangers series here. And Pittsburgh has been absolutely dominating the New York Rangers. Which was not expected, because Matt Murray, another another under $3 million goaltender, Matt Murray. And they had Jeff Zabkoff played the first game, played absolutely incredible. They had two goalies that make under $3 million million play well for them. So yeah, the Brewers should just go look for an unknown. Or maybe just throw up Zane McIntyre and see what he can do next year. That's what they should do. What do they have to lose? you have nothing to lose, but I just think they're like, oh, well, we got rest now, and they have so much, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do with the goal situation. But Pittsburgh has been playing unbelievable hockey, and I think Pittsburgh's a scary team to play right now. No, Pittsburgh is a team that could possibly upset Washington if Washington clinches against Philly. I think so, too. And speaking of Washington and Philly, so you have 
Phil, Washington up three games to none. The Flyers come out in game four. They win game four on home ice. You go, okay, the Capitals will probably close it out in five. And they played last night, and Michael Nerveth had over 40 saves. The Flyers only had 11 shots on goal, and the Flyers somehow won because Michael Nerveth stood on his head. And it's the second game in a row that Michael Nerveth stole from the Washington Capitals. Another, and he's a former Capitals goaltender. It's funny, yeah. He played, he played with Hopi. But let's, let's give us Philadelphia hope. And Philadelphia has done this before. They've done this before. Yeah, we, sh- we should know about that. Yeah, we know all about that. Because our $7 million goalie choked, remember? Yeah, well, yeah, the whole team choked, but he was definitely a part of it. Yep. I mean, we were up 3 nothing in Game 7. Oh, that one's frustrating. That one is definitely frustrating, but... Yep. The playoffs have been great this year, though. And uh, Jason, I want to ask you: Are you, are you jumping on the new team's bandwagon, or, are you, or what, what's, what's your plan? I have no choice. I have no. I have no choice now. Do you know my, my team's already gone? So do you want me to pick a new team? Yeah, I'm, I'm just. I'm just curious if if you had to pick another team, who who would you pick? San Jose. San Jose. Oh, going with San Jose, huh? Yep. Not not bad. Not I like bad. San Jose. Um. I mean, they got they got over that big hump. The big no, yeah. getting past that first round of the playoffs, and, and they Austin, seem like yeah. they're a team that's. They seem like a team that's dominant right now. Like, I mean, Los, Los Angeles is a dominant team in the league, and San Jose just came in and handed it to them. I like the structure of San Jose, and I think that, who knows, you know, with Martin Jones running it, maybe they can get past another round. Do I see them winning the cup? No, but that's the team that I want to root for. Hey, you never know. Stranger things can happen. Like you said, no, you're true. Stranger things happen. Like imagine, imagine this: Martin Jones went to, went to Stanley Cup, and all the Bruins fans are going to be looking at that. Like, really? That would be that would be something if that happened. But the Sharks are a good team this year. Anything can happen out there, as we saw in the NHL playoffs. Anything could happen because who would have? I mean, you got Logan Couture, Jonas John, uh, Don Scott. You got Joe Pavelski, Brent Burns. You got you know this the, Martin Jones. The Sharks, the Sharks team is a good structure, and I actually. I really like what I've seen from them this season. Me series, too. So uh, no one, no one, no one, I, I want to jump on it before. No one predicted them to win in five games, so it's definitely something to to be impressed with. So that's that's probably my reason for jumping on the bandwagon and rooting for them. I'm going to still hold on to faith with my Ducks here. I have, I'm still alive in my bracket with the Ducks, Ducks still going. Big game for them tonight against Nashville, game five. But... The NHL playoffs has been, there's nothing better in the world. I don't think there's any other sport that I can compare to the NHL playoffs. No, this is a blast. I mean, ba- I mean basketball is boring compared to this. But I, I, I mean, basketball. But I did watch the Celtics you can last night. In basketball, who's going to win? I did watch the Celtics but... last night, and I'm pulling for the Celtics in this series. Uh, well, you have to pull for the Celtics. They're a Boston team. That's not that <laughs> I got. I'm pulling for the Celtics too. Right. Doesn't mean I'm watching it. All right, so. <laughs> oh. I'm still choosing the NHL playoffs over the Boston. Oh, by, by all means, by all means. But we'll still uh, wish ourselves some good luck and uh, root for them because they're the only team in the TD Garden that, you know, shows some guts and grit. No, it's it's crazy. And, you know, it's going to be a long summer when it comes to the Bruins. I mean, there's going to be more that comes out as this next couple of weeks progresses. Yep, it should be interesting to see what goes on as the offseason is underway for Boston now after these press conferences. Uh, the Providence Bruins are still playing, which is kind of hilarious. The, the, the regular Bruins aren't playing, but the Providence Bruins are. But you can keep it. If, if you want to follow some hockey and some Bruins players, that's the team to follow is Providence because obviously Boston's not playing. And it's now the offseason. It'll be interesting to see what goes on 
within the coming weeks. Um, this will wrap up our episode of Bruins Beat this week. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at MikeSetta22, at JasonBuckley91. You can follow our Bruins Beat podcast on Twitter at Bruins underscore Beat. Um, also, you can find us on iTunes, right, Jason? Yes, you can find us on iTunes at Boston Bruins Beat Podcast. You can also find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and the uh, CLNS radio app. Hey, did you figure out what's going on with the SoundCloud thing? I haven't even bothered looking at it yet. I'm working towards okay. it eventually. Well, we're towards it. I believe we're on SoundCloud now as, as well. Uh, our, our boss, Nick, just put up the SoundCloud thing, so we haven't figured it out yet. But for the future, we might be on SoundCloud as well, so keep an eye out for that. And um, we have some great things coming up for this show. So uh, even though it's the off season, we look forward to keeping, doing, keep, keeping this show going and moving forward. And hope you continue to listen. So um, we'll talk to you next week. Go Bruins. Go Bruins.